0: You're listening to The 30 Podcast. Here's your host, Jazz Kang.
1: All right, welcome to another episode of The 30 Podcast. I'm your host Jazz Kang. Don't forget check us out online at silverscreenandroll.com. Everything Lakers updated daily. The whole crew's got you covered. You can also follow us on Twitter at Lakers SBN and you can check me out at Jazz Kang 21. Today joining me, one of the guys who is a huge part of Silver Screen and Roll, basically runs the operation, the brains behind everything, Harrison Fagan. Thanks for coming on today, man. Okay, first
0: of all, that was a great intro. The brains behind (laughs) the operation might be my new Twitter bio, and like, I don't know what that makes Anthony, like if I'm the brains, but like that, hey, that was a way better intro than I'm just going to take shots at my own podcast co-host. That was a way better intro, plug the site, plug the Twitter handle like all that stuff than he has done in the entirety of us hosting the lake show on monday so well done i appreciate it
1: hey no problem you're you're a batman he's robin that's what we're rolling with right now right so
0: (laughs) i'll take it man you're really like you're you're just like angling for a raise i appreciate
1: it that's it man you always got to suck up to the boss that's how that's how uh that's how the corporate world works right
0: (laughs) i don't even know is blogging considered the corporate world like uh man no, we'd
1: be we'd be about two steps below the corporate world. We're like, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's not you know what it's it's a fun world to be a part of, but trust me, it, it, you know, people think it's all glamour and stuff. it ain't it's a lot of hard work.
0: No, it is not. I would actually say it's, like, one of the least glamorous jobs. It, like, like, it looks like it. When I like, when I post it on my Laker game on Instagram or something, and I'm like, oh, look, this is my current office. People are like, oh, you have the coolest job in the world. And, like, it's like, okay, but, yeah, I'm there till 2 a.m. And I, I'm not going to complain about writing. I do have one of the coolest jobs in the world, but it's definitely not glamorous all the time. Like, especially when guys are, like, sweating on you and post-game locker rooms and stuff like that.
1: Hey, that's not – you know what? It's not a bad thing, man. That Lakers locker room – actually, the first time I went in there last season, I was just like – man, this is it, you know you know what I mean? So it's because there's so much history walking around Staples Center. I'm like, because I mean, for me, being from Canada, seeing this on, on TV all the time and, and you know, like the, the Shaq Kobe years, uh, then you got forward to the Kobe and, you know, Pau Gasol championships and, you know, just the history that goes on in there. When the, when the first time you went into uh, the locker room, were you a little bit like wide-eyed or were you kind of timid in terms of asking questions?
0: Oh, 100%, both things. I, I was, when I went in there the first time, I was, I remember I just, like, I felt like I couldn't breathe. It just felt, like, surreal almost, like, where I was. It was, like, this is the place that I've seen them getting interviewed all these years on TV. Like, oh, my God, there's Kobe's locker. And I, like, I wasn't fangirling. It was all internal. But I think, I like, I must have looked like a deer in the headlights because, like, I remember one of the P- media relations people came over, started talking to me. And then, like, I think it was about five minutes after I was in there, Kobe almost ran me over on his way from – the room, they've remodeled the locker room since then, but there used to be like almost the direct line from like the players lounge to the training room. And I was standing right in the middle of it. And Kobe was trying to get through before any reporter could grab him and try to interview him before the game. And I just happened to be right in his way. And he just like was very, very politely said, excuse me, move me out of the way and then just started in. And that was my first time in the Laker locker room Sorry.
1: And at that point, you're like, "Oh my God, did I just screw up, man? I should have been out of the way." You start overthinking. I was thinking- like, "Oh yeah,
0: no, Kobe hates me now." Like,
1: <laughs> you're pretty—you're pretty sure Kobe had no clue who you were at that point. You know that. Right? No, I—Kobe I- <laughs> has
0: no idea who I am.
1: <laughs> All right, just so you guys know, we're recording this uh, after a Lakers one twenty six one eleven loss in Houston against the Rockets, who aren't nearly as good as they were last year. Uh, James Harden went off. If you didn't catch the game, fifty points. Uh, 11 assists, 10 boards, also finished uh, 14 to 26 uh, from the field, 18 to 19 from the free throw line. Seems like you can even breathe on the guy today without getting called for a foul.
0: No, that was what the. the, if you didn't say it, that was the staff that I was going to cite was the 18 of 19 from the free throw line. What like the Lakers were not happy about it. At at one point, they were defending with almost everyone on the floor was defending with their arms behind their back, almost in protest. Like, okay, you're not going to let us have our arms out whatsoever. Look like you can't call a foul if our arms are behind our back. Shockingly, that did not work. Uh, defensively so you know they ended up losing James Harden went nuclear in the fourth quarter it's not all on the refs like I'm not going to be that guy that sits here and says that it's all on the refs when the Lakers lose and they give up a lot of free throws like the free throw disparity wasn't that big it was 32 to 27 that that's the difference of five free throws like did I think everything on James Harden was a foul call like no you know he, he there were multiple there were a couple times where like there was a point I think it was in the third quarter when I tweeted out like all the things that are considered a foul in this game from the silver screen roll account. And it was like touching James Harden, being near James Harden, saying his name, yelling brick when he shoots, like being on the same court, being in a Lakers jersey. And it just like, you know, the call, I'm actually surprised that the free throws are, so close to even just because it really did seem to kind of favor the Rockets at times. And I think it took the Lakers out of their rhythm a little bit. I think they definitely they, they seemed to get they would admit it after the game when I was watching like the broadcast and the interviews and whatever, because I'm not in Houston. But it, it just seemed like they were kind of discombobulated by how the game was being officiated.
1: Yeah, that, that does kind of ruin the, the the rhythm for the for the team. And it, it's funny, you know, you look at that fourth quarter. I mean, the Lakers got outscored 36-23. That's been a problem for them all season. They're actually 20th in the league in terms of fourth quarter scoring. Um, they're not very efficient there in terms of, you know, to trying to close out games. I mean, it's it's been LeBron, really, a one-man show in most of the wins that they've had so far. When you're watching the game, what do you think the issue is, especially trying to close things out in, in the fourth quarter uh, going into the kind of crunch time?
0: Well, I feel like that is almost where you're seeing their lack of working on offense over the summer and during training camp and so far this season when they've really, like, by all accounts, they've really, really tried to focus on working on this defense and getting cohesion on that end, and it's paid off. Like, they're better defensively than I think anyone could have thought. I think they're, without looking, I think they're ninth right now in defensive efficiency, and... They, I think, are like second or third since they acquired Tyson Chandler, which is really good. And they deserve credit for that. And, you know, if you can play that good of defense for the first three quarters, you can really get out and run. And sometimes they've been able to do it in the fourth quarters against worse teams. But Houston, you know, you said these aren't the Rockets of last year. They could have fooled me during these games when, you know, they've been playing against the Lakers because they play really well against the Lakers this year. I know they haven't been as good on the year, but, you know, it just seems like they've been able to hit another gear against the Lakers. And in these fourth quarters, when they're either blowing leads or they aren't able to come back, I think what you're seeing is you're seeing the lack of shooting and you're seeing the lack of offensive cohesion because while LeBron James is a far better closing option than anything the Lakers have had, the problem there is like, if your offense is him taking step back threes down the stretch, as much better as he's been, at step back threes this year. There were actually a couple stories about that out online today. Uh, you're still just not going to be able to have that much success, I don't think. I, I just don't think that that's like I'm not going to say that LeBron is not a going to LeBron is not a feasible option down the stretch, but you got to have something secondary, and they just they haven't been able to find that with consistency.
1: Yeah, and I find that you know it, it, I think Kyle Kuzma is starting to step up and really take the reins as being the second guy on, on the team. And, you know, and and we all looked at it in the beginning and said. Um, You know, Brandon Ingram, he's the guy, he, you know, he has all the potential and, and he's going to be, you know, next to LeBron. He's going to elevate his game. I, I haven't seen that from him. And, you know, a lot of the time it, it seems like, and I don't want to, I'm not knocking Ingram as a player. I'm just knocking his fit with this roster. I just think it's a little bit clunky. Like you look at what Kuz has been doing, um, especially over the last, you know, five, six games here. You know, he dropped t- 24 tonight in the loss, uh, 33 in the win against Miami, 20 at Memphis. I mean, he didn't even, he played 34 minutes, didn't really need to because that game was pretty much well handled. Even 27 against San Antonio. How do you think he's been able to kind of adjust his game and start to look a lot like the guy that they need who can provide offense behind LeBron?
0: Well, he actually made kind of an astonishing admission at practice on Wednesday. And like, Kuz has always been a pretty candid guy. But when he was talking to reporters on Wednesday, he was asked about like, you know, just a general question about what's allowed him to have success. And he said, I don't I don't have his verbatim quote on like here. So this is just me paraphrasing. But he basically said, like, well, with Ingram out, I've been able to get more touches, which has led to more rhythm, essentially. And he said it in kind of an innocuous way. It wasn't like, oh, yay, Ingram's out. I've been able to take more control of the offense. It just it seemed like he was really honest, like he got. More, he's been getting more shots he's settled into a more like a more settled secondary role where it's not him and Ingram kind of fighting for shot attempts and like I, I think you know I think Ingram being out with this injury has helped him a little bit and like that's not to say again that's not to say that Ingram's a bad player I agree with you I think he's a good player. I just don't know that he's the most seamless fit with LeBron and then I think that there's like a little bit of a psychic cost when you have, Kuzma and Ingram in there, and they're both kind of looking at each other like, like okay, I, I like every time I get the ball, I need to put it up because if I pass, like Kuz is going to go shoot it, or you know, vice versa, or LeBron's going to go shoot it, and I need to average twenty this year because I've been marketed up as a like as a future star, and both of them, I think probably feel that way to some degree, and so it's not that they're selfish; it's not anything like that. It's just I think that that's the way a lot of the time young players are wired, and You know, I just, I think that they aren't like they with LeBron in tow, they haven't been the most seamless fit together. And I think that's some of why you're seeing Kuzma blow up now.
1: Do you think that, you know, once Ingram does come back, is there, do you think it's going to start looking at, all right, like is an option not to start him? You know, because I think that if you look at it, Um, especially with young dudes, right? You don't, they have egos and and they don't want to do, they want to do what's best for them, but not necessarily what's best for the team. Again, I'm not, I don't know Brandon Ingram personally. I don't know what he's saying, but to me, it looks like starting Josh Hart and bringing Ingram off the bench will also help uh, the offense kind of kickstart for, for the for the second unit, which they've been able to not really do too much when, especially in the beginning of that second quarter, you're seeing when, the, when it's mainly the rotation guys, they're not able to sustain anything on offense. So I think that's something to look out for is how is Luke going to be able to handle that when Ingram comes back?
0: Well, I think that, like the key there is going to be, how does the starting lineup continue to play while Ingram is out? Because if he misses like a significant amount of time and they get rolling, then yeah, maybe you make that change. And for a little bit there, it kind of looked like that was going to be the obvious play, but then they lose tonight. I think they're now two and two since Ingram went down or something like that. Mm -hmm. And so it, you know, that's not the type of number where they can go to Ingram and be like, look, we're killing it. You got to go to the bench. Like we can't break this up. Two and two is not that. So if they get a couple more wins here then maybe, but otherwise I just have a hard time. I've had a hard time all season picturing how that conversation goes because they've talked up Ingram for the last years. Like at first it was, oh, he's untouchable. And then it was future all-star and, you know, he's going to be the secondary star next to James. And like, they've marketed him like this. The team has, it's not him. But when a young player hears something like that, I think that they probably start to believe it on some level and they feel like that's what they have to do. And so then when you go to them and you're like, OK, well, uh, sixth man of the year, like I don't know that if they're going to be as into it. And just judging off of Ingram's reaction when he got the question the last time that he was he, he was out with the suspension and he was coming back and they asked him if he was going to start and he laughed. And to me, that was telling that like this guy does not see himself as a bench player. And does that ultimately matter? Like, you know, if, if Luke decides to bench him and, you know, you're on a team with LeBron, Brandon Ingram's happiness is not the most important factor there. But do you risk losing him and then therefore kind of losing his, like, trade value if he starts to check out or he feels like he's being mismanaged? Do you, does it hurt the locker room? I don't know. It's a, it's a complicated dynamic, and it's yet another reminder, like, reason number 9,237 that I'm glad that I'm not the one making these decisions.
1: Well, if you were, you wouldn't be talking to me. That's the, that's the other variable in all this, too. No, right? no, no. If I
0: I, I, admit, I promise, if I am ever elected or I guess not elected, hired Lakers head coach, I will still come on this podcast.
1: Okay, that's a, that, that's a fair deal. I'm going to hold you to that when you get when you replace Luke Walton after the Lakers flame out in the playoffs this year. Oh, God, uh, another job. I want less. <laughs> uh, another guy I wanted to touch on with you, uh, Lonzo Ball. He played 35 minutes tonight. Um, not a very efficient night shooting. He hasn't been very efficient shooting the ball the last few games. Uh, team worse, minus or seven, lit up. yeah, and, and, and his career. But I mean, I mean, he was 0 for 6 from the three point line today. How would you think he's been fitting? Because I, I, I am, I don't want to say I'm Alonzo Ball, uh, super fan or anything. I just like his game. I, I think that as he develops and he needs to, you know, start being a little bit more involved. Offensively, not in terms of shooting, but having the ball in his hands and pushing it up as the outlet guy. um What do you think of his fit so far, uh, you know, next to LeBron in this situation?
0: Yeah, I mean, first of all, I'm just going to say you should be careful with how much you praise Lonzo Ball before you get kicked out of USC. Like, you got to temper that <laughs> a little bit so that they, like, you just, like, just in case anyone that you know there is listening to this podcast, I wouldn't want you to get, like, flagged for that. But Lonzo, you know, it's interesting. He was a a minus 21 tonight, which is the lowest on the team. And normally, like kind of those less box score related numbers are where you can see Lonzo's value. Like he'll go, there are some nights where he'll go three of nine and he'll be a plus 21 or something like that. And it's because he played such good defense. And I thought his defense was okay tonight on Chris Paul. I I didn't think he was abysmal by any means. I think that some of, you know, I felt like, If we were going to rank the guys, like if we were going to rank the guys going into the season, how I thought they were going to fit with LeBron and like their level of fit, I would have put, I think I would have put Josh Hart first. I actually wrote like a lengthy story on that over the summer. And then uh, I would have put Lonzo Ball second. And so far that hasn't really borne out. Kuzma has kind of been that guy that's fit second best, I think, alongside LeBron. And so Lonzo's fit better than Ingram. And but I've been a little bit disappointed, to be honest. I've been overall, like, I think Lonzo's had a fine season. I've been a little bit disappointed with, like, the lack of chemistry between him and LeBron. And that doesn't mean, like, I'm not saying that as, like, the hot take. Like, they don't like each other. They can't play together anything like that. I just thought that we were going to – I think the chemistry has been okay. I just thought it was going to be better. Like, I thought that we were going to get a lot more – of these kind of insane reads to each other that only people with their level of basketball brain could make. You know what I mean? Like these crazy, and we've seen some of that. Like we've seen some of the full court passes from LeBron to Lonzo or vice versa, but I've just seen less of it than I thought that we were going to see. And I'm starting to, I don't think that we're not going to get that. I'm just starting to wonder when that's going to come, when those two guys are really going to gel and get to that next level.
1: Yeah, because they, they both are. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I'm not going to sit here and say, "Wow, Lonzo, you know, mentally knows the game like LeBron." Of course not. Uh, but Alonzo L- is a pretty cerebral player, man. Like he he knows he, to me the way he he does things and the little things that he sees. Um, that's something he needs to improve upon with with LeBron. Like like you said, like finding that chemistry and just being able to feed off of each other. Because I think there's points where he's looking at 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 LeBron way too much on the offensive end. You know, like it's almost like catches. Like, where's LeBron? I got to give it to LeBron. Whereas he should be like, all right, if I can push the ball up and try and find uh, LeBron leaking out on the break, where LeBron's a, a friggin' Mack truck, you're not gonna be able to stop the guy. Um, you know, he should be kind of looking for that too. And the offense, I mean, I, I think anybody who thinks that Lonzo's gonna score 25 points a game is mistaken. Um, I think his game is, you know, he at his at his peak, he might be able to score anywhere between uh 15 and 20, I think is gonna be as high in the NBA for a season, uh if he ever gets there. But, you know, for him, like dishing the ball, he he's a great passer. He's got great court vision. So I, I think that's where it's it's been a bit of a disappointment. But I think he brings a lot. And you know, I also think he's gonna be on a bit of a short leash if if this type of performance continues into next season and, and beyond after that, I don't think the Lakers would be be you know looking at keeping him for another four or five years.
0: Well not even and I don't even want to get that far ahead, but like like even in the in the very short term Rajon Rondo got reevaluated today as we're recording this so yesterday by the time that you're all listening but uh, Rajon Rondo got reevaluated and they're going to look at him I think again on they they got like an encouraging result and they're going to look at him again on Saturday which would mean that he could theoretically rejoin the Lakers on the road if he's like ready to play and the thing that I'm curious to see is how does Lonzo respond when Rondo gets back into the lineup because I think that we saw his confidence Rays and all of that stuff, and all that kind of coincided with Rondo going down. And again, this is like the Kuzma and Ingram thing. I'm not saying that it was a good thing that Rajon Rondo got hurt, I think that, that was a bad thing for the Lakers overall. But I don't think that it was the worst thing for Lonzo that he realized that he was going to have a long leash because he seemed to be looking over his shoulder a lot early in the season. And I think justifiably so. I think Luke kind of had a pretty quick hook on him if he felt like he needed Rondo out there. He felt like LeBron wanted Rondo more out there. And so I'm just curious to see when Rondo comes back, is Lonzo able to continue to play with the confidence that he's mostly played with, uh, you know, outside of tonight with, for over this last little stretch of the season. And I think that it's going to be something interesting to watch for because you know for a player that's that instinctual and all of that like you have to have your confidence high otherwise it's like you said they he's just going to be standing around he's looking for his childhood idol and LeBron and trying to pass him the ball and make sure that he's happy but then by doing that that's not what Lonzo's out there for if Lonzo's out there he's got to be facilitating the offense overall not just for one guy
1: yeah I agree with you with that when, when Rondo comes back uh it'll be interesting to see how he responds because uh, people might not remember. I mean, in the beginning of the season, Rondo started over Lonzo, right? I mean, Luke went and was like, all right, we're going to go with Rondo to start. And Rondo actually played pretty well the first couple of games. Eventually he went back to Lonzo, but he's got to be looking over his shoulder a little bit in that sense. Like, damn, you know what? i got to be on here. And, and, and you're right. Hopefully that doesn't kind of kill his confidence to the point that he's not playing his game. Because it's been like an interesting like okay, just to watch it from the outside like how Lonzo's been treated here I mean don't get me wrong his dad it was it was a sideshow clown you know last year and everything like that there and, you I, go I, I, there's
0: the USC there's the Yeah USC. well he
1: was hey listen man you know what in, in a weird way I'm a, I've always been a, like I I'm, I'm old so I mean I I saw the Charles O'Bannon Ed Bannon days I love UCLA basketball always have I mean it's just when I came down here that I started getting to get into USC so I mean I've always had an affinity for for UCLA basketball but I mean with uh with Lonzo like it, how, how do you think he's fit so far in terms of just being a Laker? Like, it, obviously, he's not living up to expectations because people are looking at it like, damn, I wish we had Jason Tatum.
0: Yeah, I, I mean... I think, I don't know that Lakers fans are there yet. And I think that there's still like a little bit of irrational optimism over ball. And I don't want to say irrational. I think there's still a lot of optimism about ball. I am actually still very optimistic about about Lonzo. And I don't think that the book is out on him yet by any means. I actually, I still think that there's a chance that he could end up being the best player in his draft class. I just, I think that the way that he affects the game it's, like you said it's not he's not going to be a big scorer and everyone who's watched him by now knows that and so like the criticism of the shot yeah it's fun for Twitter people are always going to do it that's like that's just how like NBA Twitter is always going to be they're just going to mock guys for what they're not good at but what Lonzo is distinctly good at are things that don't show up in the box score as much like he can switch on to basically any player on any like opposing team on any possession he can go rover and run around the court and try and get steals and try and read other teams offenses and you know just make plays and I think he leads the Lakers and deflections and he's pretty high up there in the league if I remember correctly from when I was looking earlier today and so he does all these little things that allow you to win on the margins but like as far as being a Laker and handling the spotlight and all that that comes with that I think that he has been aided this year by LeBron's presence and by not having as much of that like because so like let's go back to Lonzo's intro press conference. Magic was talking, oh don't break all my records, leave some of them like up there for me. This is a this is our point guard of the future, all that stuff. And then so because he was billed that way, he came into last season. And because of that, because of LeVar, because of the reality show stuff, and just the fact that he's like, he's more than a basketball player. He's like a real celebrity, and that people that don't really even watch basketball know who Lonzo Ball is because of, you know, his family's marketing arm. And so like there was a lot of attention on him and I think that last year he handled it well he he's a very very composed kid he's like probably the calmest 19 or 20 year old I've ever interacted with and like is just polished in interviews and always like never really says the wrong thing sometimes doesn't say the right thing like in the case when people were basically basically asking him to endorse Luke last year and he just was like I will play for any coach or something like that. And so, but for the most part, Lonzo, outside of rare flubs, always says the right thing. And I think that he handled the spotlight well, but I do think that having LeBron and now having that, you know, Kevin Durant called it toxic, but now having that media culture just envelop and surround LeBron's locker instead of Lonzo's after every game, where he doesn't always have to be the guy facing the entire horde of assembled credentialed media after every single loss. Like, I, I think that probably is ultimately good for him that he doesn't have the entire weight of the franchise on his shoulders anymore. I think that that's going to ultimately be a better thing for his long-term development than where it was all being given to him from day one.
1: Yeah. I find I agree with you. Cause I found that with him last year, like I was, I covered a couple of games and, and I found, I mean, it was different last season. Obviously there was no low LeBron, but uh, I remember when he came back against Dallas after missing some time with the, with the injury and he came back um, and we you know, we're talking to him at the, by the locker. And it's like, you're right i mean he is he doesn't get phased and he doesn't seem like one of those immature you know 20 21 like
0: he is genuinely unfazable like somebody asked him last year a question about dragon ball z in a post game scrum and lonzo just didn't even bat an eye and answered it just like in stride he didn't even pause for a second like why is this person asking me about dragon ball z right now like it's (laughs) it's Like it's unnerving almost. Like I feel like you could go in there. You you didn't ask him
1: that question. It wasn't you though, was it? Who asked him the Dragon Ball Z question? (laughs) No, it wasn't me. I
0: I wish. (laughs) I I think you could go in there, and I feel like you could ask him like a calculus problem, and he would like just start doing it. Like that was a totally normal thing.
1: (laughs) I, you know what? I agree with you. He he has this whole. Like and it, it, people, I think take it for he he's apathetic towards it, which I don't think he is. I, I think he you know he cares and and you, I to me it looks like he puts a lot of work into his game. Um, he just got to develop a little bit more, and it, it's gonna take time. And you're right, you know, I see some sometimes on Twitter some Lakers fans are are talking, you know, get put play Svi more than him. It's like come on, like let's not be ridiculous. Not gonna play Mo Wagner and these guys. Like they're not gonna make a damn difference in the game. And you you gotta hope with a team like the Lakers the way they're set up now I, I think you know if Kuzma can do this for the rest of the season that might be a hard ass but I mean if he can go you know drop 20 21 points a game that's a development you want to see cuz I I think people are fooling themselves if they think the Lakers are going to win a championship do they have a chance of course they have a small chance cuz you have they have to me the best player in the NBA in LeBron James but You know, in in order for this team to take the next step next year, if they can add a free agent or make that big Anthony Davis uh, trade that everybody seems to think is going to happen, you want these guys to start making steps in the right direction. And and I think a lot of Lakers fans at points are losing their patience with him when they should have a little bit more with a guy like Lonzo.
0: Yeah, well, and I also just think that, like, this is what happens when you sign LeBron, is
1: you, you are expected
0: to win now, you have a competitive team, and the time for youth and development and coddling the kids, like, that is, for better or worse, that is kind of out the window. Now, like, the Lakers very clearly want to develop all these guys and all that stuff, but Luke has talked openly about this. The hook is a lot quicker now. There are veterans that are going to come in the game, and they're going to do the things that he's asking him them to do. And, like, I think that, that that's the thing that I think frustrates – that I sense frustrates fans as much as anything. Like, oh, why is, like, why is he benching uh, Lonzo for Rondo, but, like, Lance gets to keep playing? Like, I think Lance, you know, he gets benched when he does the really, really dumb stuff. But for the most part, like, when Lance makes errors, it's just because, like, you know, he's not that great. But it's not because he's like not doing what Luke is asking him to do. Whereas I think the young guys are prone more to errors of, and this isn't necessarily as much Lonzo as it is some of the other ones where it's like not following the game plan. And so I I, like that is the cardinal sin for NBA head coaches because they want to, they want to minimize risk and they want to like, they want the, like most NBA coaches want the high, want the high floor guy versus the like low ceiling, like Mm -hmm. the, you know, the low floor guy. And yeah. so like, you know, all these young guys obviously have way higher potential than the veterans on the roster, but like it, Luke is, there are going to be times where Luke plays the veterans because he's more comfortable with what they're like, where they bought out versus where the young guys bought him out.
1: You know what? I, I think this team is eventually, I think, I think either magic uh, and Rob Palenka together in my opinion, I think either Kuz, uh, Lonzo Ball or Ingram are going to be gone at some point next season, if you had to pick one yeah, of those three, who, who do you think it would be?
0: So they're saying all the right things about like Luke even got asked before the Rockets game about like, yeah, there was a quite, I couldn't completely make out what the guy was asking him, but it was something about young players and being in trade talks and Trevor reason Luke didn't really talk about specifics, but he just basically said that the Lakers like their young core. They're trying to develop them. They're trying to build something in the last 10 years. And, you know, like, that's a great thing to want in theory. But that also means that all these guys have to not just develop, but they have to be able to contribute now while they're developing. And that's not always an easy ask for young players. Right. And so, you know, I'm, I think all of these young guys have their merits and they have their potential and whatever. But I also think that all of these young guys like are not going to be here when, by the time that this like Lakers are building their next, like contending team, I don't think that this is going to be the young core that carries them to the future. I think members of it will be around. And I think, you know, God like there. I think there are going to be like maybe even the majority of them, but I think one or two of them you're going to end up seeing in a trade of some kind that makes a win now team better in the interim, even if it removes a young prospect that fans have fallen in love with from the roster. I think if I was going to take a guess at which is the most likely one to be gone, I would say it's Ingram just because of money and easy like easiness to fit in trades and. Like, I just value around the league. I think that, like, I really like Lonzo's game, and I actually like it better than Ingram's. But I think that teams are going to be more willing to go after Ingram, because I think that there's probably still a fear around the league of, like, bringing LeVar Ball in. And there just seeing like, it seems to be something that, teams don't really want to deal with is just like the sense that like not that I've been talking to opposing GMs or anything but that's just like just from listening to the way that reporters talk about Lonzo and all this stuff like I just don't think that that's like something that other GMs really want to sign up for as much as they'd be willing to deal with Brandon Ingram and I think that you know I think at some point you mentioned Anthony Davis I I don't think that that's unrealistic I think there's a chance that you know, if Anthony Davis does not sign that Supermax this summer, that he, Brandon Ingram, ends up in some type of trade package for Anthony Davis.
1: I agree with you 100%. I I, I think there's legitimately, like in my opinion, there's a 0% chance that Anthony Davis is staying in New Orleans. If, I mean, the team made a little bit of a stride last oh, year, like he's, he's, he's gone. He's gone. Yeah. Like that yeah, team's, it's they, a matter they, of where. They stink the team stinks, right? Like the, the Pelicans have not made any strides and they should be building around a guy like that. They look good for that time, obviously before before Boogie got hurt, even beat the Trailblazers last year in the first round. But you're like, all right, you know, if if they would have shown some, uh, a little bit more improvement this year and and they made some good moves, you know, in the front office made some good moves to bring in some more talent. He probably, he might've stuck around. I mean, the money is always one thing, but a little bit of loyalty too. But I mean, there's no way he's staying in New Orleans. And I agree with you. I, I think, you know, with the Lakers and the Rich Paul connection, he he's he's coming to LA.
0: Yeah, I just, uh, that that's kind of what I've always, well, I I think it's going to be LA, or I think it might be Boston, like, I think it's going to be one of these teams that has like, a bunch of assets that they can throw at him, or that they can throw at New Orleans to be able to win the trade kind of battle, I I don't think that he's, I don't think they're going to play it out, they'd be stupid to play out the year if he's not going to sign the Supermax this summer, because, like, then you can't get anything for him at that point. Like like you don't want to – the last thing that you want, like basketball is not going to exist in New Orleans if they just let him walk for nothing.
1: Yeah, you're, you're right. That's going to kill – torpedo the franchise. I mean you've, you've seen that happen a couple of times. It's like the you NBA –
0: like- it, I just want to, like, if you get somebody that good in-house, you can't let them leave for nothing. Like, it just, we saw what happened to the Cavaliers when LeBron left, and they, they ended up getting lucky, like, with some draft picks, and, like, people forget that that Kyrie Irving pick was one that they got from the Clippers that was supposed to be a late rounder. It actually ended up being first overall, but, like, if they didn't draft Kyrie and they didn't exist an hour from LeBron's hometown, that rebuild is looking a lot less good than it ended up looking.
1: Oh yeah, they'd be, they, and they would be trash. I mean, the, it's funny. I mean, I heard Tristan Thompson say that before this season, like we're the Eastern Conference champs. Like, come on, dude, you know you guys are, you guys are a crappy it's you team. Are, and without but LeBron, like, it would not nothing.
0: Really, you know?
1: No, and, and 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 that's the thing with the NBA. It's like there's certain teams that are that are run the right way, and and obviously it helps being a big market. Um, the NBA has always been about you know the Lakers, the Knicks stink. I mean that that they're one team that uh, has always been able to draw well, and they'll have their legions of fans. But the rest of them, I mean, people want to go play in, in, in big markets and and you're seeing that. But I mean, even like OKC, um, you know, once Durant left, it was like, oh, what are they gonna do? I mean, they're sitting at 17 and 9, you know, a half a game out of out of first in in the West. So I think it obviously depends on your management. And I think what Dell Demps has done has been crap with, with the Pelicans. So Anthony Davis uh probably gonna be out of there. Like you said, if they don't trade him in the, in the offseason, if he doesn't sign, that just shows another dumb move uh, on their part. One more thing I want to touch on. We've got a couple of days now before the Lakers can actually start making moves. December fifteenth is the big day where they can start trading some of these guys they signed in the offseason. season. Um, Trevor Ariza, can we agree that that's that's most likely going to happen at this point, or no?
0: No, I just I honestly don't feel like that's a lot of that's the shoe in, and I, I'm going to look really dumb if people listen to this on Saturday and they've like traded for him by then, but. I don't, I feel like that's been so public. I almost, I usually expect it with the Lakers to be the other way. Like it's just going to be a guy that we maybe haven't heard as much about and it's going to happen. And so like, I, I don't think that all this KCP, all these KCP rumors are an accident. I do think that we're going to see him on the move. And I think that the team I, I'm guessing has like kind of, Like, if there are this many teams interested in KCP, allegedly, then I think that you have to make that move and see if you can get something for him. And, you know, like, I actually think that it's more likely that they do something like was reported today, like... Or like a Wayne Ellington or a Terrence Ross or whatever, like because Trevor Reza, the impetus to trade for him if the Suns aren't doing it basically for nothing is not that high, right? Because they're probably just going to buy him out at the at the buyout deadline if you don't trade for him. And like the Lakers, you know, is a shark and they may be willing to wait this out. And well, like we'll see what happens, but I'm actually, I don't think that that's the set in stone as a lot of people seem to think.
1: I agree with you. I, I like the. I would like a move for Wayne Ellington or, or Terrence Ross, like Pete Ross off the bench and I, I mean, I used to watch him a lot play a lot in his Toronto days I mean he could fill up he could score 20 on any given night I mean he can't do it consistently but there is points where you're like damn I mean Terrence Ross can ball and and, and he can shoot the rock and I think that's where the Lakers if they can improve their three-point shooting they're not like terrible overall I think they're sitting at uh, 19th or 20th overall in the league in three-point percentage but if they're able to you know get something just to shore up their bench scoring I think that'll help them out a lot too uh, last question for you man before we kind of wrap things up here if you look at the Lakers right now as constructed what are your predictions going forward for I mean let's just say injuries don't happen they are what they are what are your predictions for how far they'll be able to get in the playoffs
0: I think they're a second round team I've always kind of felt that way and then and then at that point it kind of depends on the draw I know that's a boring prediction I don't think that they're a first round out I think they're gonna make it I think LeBron it, unless the Warriors just screw around during the regular season and they start to drop and you end up with like Lakers Warriors in a four or five or something like that like then I I don't think that you're getting past them. But, like, LeBron should be enough to win you a playoff series. People, like, they're like, oh, like, you know, the Blazers, they're really good this year and whatever. Like, LeBron is going to – like, LeBron is going to torch the Blazers and take them apart during the playoffs. Like, like, they just – they do not have the defense to guard him and, like – we, we do this every year where we pretend like regular season LeBron is the LeBron that we're going to see in the playoffs. And until he doesn't take it up like seven levels in the postseason, you just have to believe that he's going to like, he, he's like, he's the juggernaut. He just goes through everything in his path. And that's good enough to get you to the second round. I, I don't, like at that point, you know, do you end up matched up against the Warriors, or do you end up matched up against, you know, somebody else from the like somebody else? Like, I I, th- I like the Lakers' chances against anyone but the Warriors, basically in the West.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I think they're, I think they're floating around. I think they'll be, they'll finish as a, within the the top five of the conference. Um, yeah, then I've it depends on matchups. Four or five. Yeah. And I agree. And I mean, I, I don't know, I don't think the Clippers will be able to sustain what they're doing right now, but I think that, you know, overall the Lakers, I, I think they can play with OKC. I think they can play with Denver because like you said, the LeBron factor and when he decides to turn it on, that's when, that's when people are going to be like, Oh damn, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, we forgot how good this guy can be. So I agree with you. If, if things kind of shake out well with the, with the seating and the, and the draws, I think they have a decent chance of making it to the conference final, at least. Cause I think we're all in agreement. If the, if the Warriors stay healthy, they're winning the championship again this year
0: yeah I think so too if they stay healthy and they keep from like physically fighting each other
1: yeah that's that's gonna be the big thing well you know what the whole Draymond thing has been been interesting there too I mean that's a whole topic we can we can get on into another day but I mean can you imagine if Draymond they don't resign him and he's just like screw it I'm going to the Lakers too that would be that would be kind of interesting to see as well
0: yeah I mean hey it'd be interesting from like a media coverage perspective that's for sure
1: yeah he's uh he's he's a, he's a firecracker so i mean i and who knows if this is the last year and and maybe um maybe uh maybe magic and robbenkirk had a right let's build for the future and let's see let's see what we can work on because if the lakers aren't ta- or if the warriors part of me aren't together next year uh the championship's right there for the taking
0: Yeah. And especially if you get one of their guys and you bring them down to the Lakers and then all of a sudden that team, you know, let's say like they don't have the three greatest shooters of all time anymore, or they don't have, you know, one of the greatest defenders that's ever played and you like switch that to your side. Like that's a pretty big chess piece. And obviously they can't get Draymond this summer, but like. That like could they get KD? Could they get Clay? Like all of a sudden that Warriors team is looking a lot less good. People like to bring up that like they were good before they got KD, but like that team had Harrison Barnes, they had Andrew Bogut, and they had like a lot of other pieces. A lot like I- Iguadala was still a lot better. Draymond was better than he is now you know, like that, that team, that's not the same team anymore as far as supporting cast. Like they had to clear out a lot to make room for KD. And if he leaves, like, that's going to be like, they aren't going to be, they'll they'll still be really good. They just aren't going to be a jar. They aren't going to be unkillable anymore.
1: Yeah, I agree, man. I'm I'm looking forward to it. It's funny, like the drama of the NBA offseason coming up in 2019 is going to be something that I'm already looking forward to. I kind of want the calendar to, to fast forward there. Uh, thanks a lot for coming on Harrison. I appreciate you doing this and, uh, make sure you uh, get a little bit of a bump in the uh, salary next time you're sending me the uh, paycheck. All right. <laughs> yeah.
0: Just like, like just close us out really, really good here on the outro and then
1: you got it. All right. That's Harrison Fagan. You can check him out on uh, Twitter at H M Fagan. That's F A I G E N. Don't forget, check us out at silver You can follow us on, uh, on Twitter as well at Lakers SBN. We got you covered with new Lakers content coming up daily and I'll talk to you all next week.